It's back to the future with the return of a national party policy of years gone by. So what is social investment and does it work? For that and everything else worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is called Hope and the Loafers Lodge Fire. It's by Nikki McDonald who joins us now. Kia ora, Nikki. Kia ora. So this story focuses on one person who survived the Loafers Lodge fire. How did you connect with him? So one of our reporters actually met uh, Talasili on the day of the fire. Uh, he was injured um, jumping out of the, the building and had come from hospital. But obviously, like many of the other survivors, he he didn't have a phone because he'd literally lost everything in the fire and he'd literally, you know, left with nothing. So we didn't have a, a contact phone number for him. So fortunately, I did manage to track him down on um, social media uh, a few weeks later and um, connected with him that way and and managed to go and have a chat to him initially in his um, lovely new apartment, which he's very excited about. So do you think Tala's story, which is reasonably positive, is typical of all those people who've lost their homes and possessions in the fire? Look, I don't think there is a typical story because obviously, you know, these are all individuals and they have all come to loafers in um, different ways. I think it would be fair to say that for most of the people on those upper floors that were worst affected, you know, they were there as a place of last resort. They weren't there out of of choice. And so I think that for those people, uh, I think that Tyler will be one of the very lucky ones because he has managed to find a a kainga or a public housing apartment. I know that there's at least one other survivor in the same building that he is in. But yes, I think for some of the other people, they are still in, you know, emergency or transitional housing. So uh, it, it remains to be seen what the future looks like for them. So you've done a lot of reporting on this really tragic fire. What sort of feelings has it left you with? Look, I just think it's it's incredibly sad and, and quite emotional. And I think I'm just left really with an over, overwhelming sense that, you know, as a community, we've, we've really failed these people. And we were happy to walk past and know that they were there, but, you know, sight um, out of sight, out of mind. And so I hope that that something that maybe will we'll change with these um, these stories. Thanks for that. Now here's Nikki reading Hope and the Loafer's Lodge Fire. Tala Seely looks up at the blackened beige facade of Loafer's Lodge and shakes his head in disbelief. This is his first time back at the sight of the fire that claimed five lives and would have snuffed his out too had he not fled the choking smoke by jumping from his third floor window. His eyes widen and he sucks in breath through pursed lips, exhaling slowly, deliberately. After a moment, the panic subsides. While his sprained ankle has almost healed, The fear is taking longer to fade. Today is his birthday. He's 33. He hopes this is the year he gets the life he always wanted.
Around 12.30am on Tuesday the 16th of May, Celie was in his room playing Fallout. He's often awake at night, and video games help distract his mind. He'd been living in the 92-room Wellington Hostel since November 2021. After years of being shunted between transitional housing and private rentals, it was that or the streets. He was on the public housing register once, classified as at risk, but that went nowhere. Loafer's Lodge wasn't a good place for him. His depression and anxiety make it hard to socialise. And he didn't want to hang out in the kitchen and lounge with drunks and druggies. He only knew the floor supervisor guy, who you texted if you lost your key. Mostly, Silly lived in his room, making toasties in a toasted sandwich maker, boiling a kettle to make noodles, or walking 100 metres down Adelaide Road to Rice Bowl Burger Bar for fried rice. So when he heard stomping outside his room, then glass breaking, he assumed it was some drunk person just acting crazy. But then he saw the smoke curling under the door. I opened the door and this huge cloud of just really black smoke rushed into my room. I looked outside and it was just black, he says. I realised that the glass is breaking was the light bulbs popping because of the heat. I was choking and couldn't breathe, so I rushed to the window. And I opened it up and tried to breathe in. Even though I couldn't see the fire, it was just smoke, I could feel the intense heat. You know, when you're roasting something in the oven and you open the door and stick your hand to the front. That's how hot it was inside the room with the smoke coming through. It was like being boiled alive. Looking from the Adelaide Road facade, Celie's room was on the left, second from back. To get to the exit stairs, he'd have to go around the laundry and bathrooms to the opposite side of the building. He didn't think he'd make it. So instead, he opened the window, swung his legs out and hung there, bare feet dangling. Celie explains. I was pretty scared. I tried to get the courage to make the jump. I knew I couldn't just sit here because I was going to burn alive. It's a really horrible, terrible thing you don't ever want to go through. Just the feeling of, oh Jesus, I don't want to die like this. I want to live, man. I don't want to die in this place, in this horrible way. Your survival instinct just kicks in. Just leave. Just leave any way you can. I think that's what made me go to the window and just jump out, he says. Even if I'm going to break my legs, do it, man. Underneath Celie's window, two floors down, is a flat roof, about the width of a doorway belonging to the neighbouring Zip Plumbing building. Next to that is a higher, gabled roof. But Silly couldn't see that, because it was pitch black. So he just jumped and hoped. I was just thinking, oh man, I hope it doesn't hurt. 
I just remember bouncing and rolling in the air and then just landing again. When I landed, I kind of got the air knocked out of me. I was about to faint, but I was just trying to take in breaths. Then I could feel the pain starting to develop in my leg. They were like shaking really bad, Celie says. I crawled to the back of the roof. There was a lady down there, just watching what was going on. I shouted at her if she could please call the ambulance. After maybe 20 minutes, a firefighter appeared with a ladder, which he propped against Zip Plumbing's back wall. It was only a story high, but he came up the rungs to show Celie how to leap lightly down on his good leg. When his sprained ankle hit the ground, there was a surge of pain, but he was safe. The fire happened on the same date Celie's dad, Yuta, died of brain cancer in 2017, back home in Tokelau. It was like his spirit was there to warn me about the fire and save me, Celie says. He raises his eyes skyward. Thank you, Dad. Thank you so much. It still feels like a dream, says Celie, perched on the red couch he got from the Salvation Army to have my own place that I always dreamt about. This is home now, the private space he so wanted for years but could never get a hold of. It's a Kayangaora public housing apartment in central Wellington, with its own bathroom and kitchenette. The couch is the only furniture as yet, but it still feels like a palace, especially at $84 a week, compared to the $270 he paid at loafers. It's the best place, It's way better than Loafer's Lodge. Finally, I can have peace. I'm really happy now. Celie's been enjoying cooking fish fingers and sausages, but hasn't yet got his head around the digital oven. The other thing he's struggling to fathom is why it took a fatal blaze to bring him here. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, I've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. No, that, I think Chris, it would be a resignation offence. 
if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Okay. Nothing if in there, that sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. I never had any hope. If it wasn't for the fire, I reckon I would still be stuck at that place for a long while. It had to be for a fire to happen in order for me to get a good place, which is pretty crazy. Before moving into Loafer's Lodge in 2021, Silly lived at Oasis Transitional Housing in Lower Hutt. Before that, he was in a flat in Johnsonville, but the landlord sold up. A housing support worker suggested Loafer's Lodge. Silly knew a boarding house was a bad option for his mental health, but it was better than the alternative. I was trying to find my own place, my own home. So throughout the years, I've been moving around from place to place, he says. Not really good places to stay at, but I was just so desperate for a roof, to be safe. After moving and moving, I eventually landed up here in Loafer's Lodge, which wasn't really good as well. But I was just afraid if I refused this place, I'm just going to be out on the streets. So I had no choice but to accept. Silly thought he was on the waiting list for something better. But he wasn't. He hadn't been for four years. Work and Income says it assessed Silly for the Public Housing Register in 2018 and gave him a priority rating of A9. The eligibility scale runs from lowest priority B8 to top priority A20. His needs assessment noted depression and anxiety, but no issues with shared accommodation. No matter, because he never got a home. And in April 2019, Work and Income says it made several unsuccessful attempts to contact Seeley to reconfirm his eligibility. So it bumped him off the list. Despite later ending up in transitional housing, he was never reassessed for the register until after the fire. So, like many, Sela was stuck at loafers with no likelihood of leaving. Others had been pointed there by work and income, like Raymond Lauder, who was living in his car. To Raymond and many others, that was clearly a housing emergency. But because work and income didn't classify loafers as emergency accommodation, his stay didn't come with a guaranteed seven-day review and public housing assessment. Instead, it's treated like any normal, permanent private rental. The mother of another fire survivor says when she and her son, who has learning disabilities and mental health issues, went to Newtown Work and Income looking for emergency accommodation, they were also told to try Loafer's Lodge. She says the Work and Income housing person told him he sent a lot of clients there. Her son accepted a room, believing it was temporary. However, he later discovered work and income regarded it as permanent, reducing his priority rating on the public housing waiting list. She's calling on the government to stop what she calls deceitfully using the term permanent housing when they mean housed like farrowing pigs or battery hens or sardines. Ministry for Social Development Regional Director Lloyd Mariko says while MSD works with people to support a housing solution, people make their own decisions about whether accommodation is suitable. 
But for many who ended up at loafers, their only choice was between a bad option and no option at all. DCM advocate Natalia Cleland agrees that's an impossible choice, especially for people on the housing register. Do you accept a non-ideal roof over your head, knowing that might reduce your chances of getting something better? Or do you stick it out with the other 2,228 people waiting for public housing in Wellington, knowing that might mean another 232 days in your car or under a tree before you get matched with a home? The solution, she says, is better interim accommodation. A safe, secure, permanent home is a human right. And if New Zealand has a supply issue, and we can't supply everyone with that human right, the alternative, the stopgaps, should only be stopgaps. And they should be of the same standard that you expect someone else to live in permanently. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevit. Today on Newsable, it's back to the future with the return of a national party policy of years gone by. So what is social investment and does it work? Plus, why are we all so obsessed with the TV show Baby Reindeer and its Eurovision finals weekend and there are some absolute bops you simply must hear. For everything that's worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you get your podcasts. City Missioner Murray Edridge says permanent housing is always better than emergency housing. But whether boarding houses such as Loafers Lodge are suitable for long-term housing is another question. Actually, we're all culpable for this. We knew that the standard of accommodation probably wasn't good enough, but as a community, we accepted it. It comes down to resourcing and more money in the system, he says. If this was simple... It would have been resolved a long, long time ago. But availability of housing, that's quantity and quality of housing, are really important factors. And I don't think you can have one without the other. Back at his apartment, Tala has compiled a shopping list of replacement clothes. There's no replacing the tiger lily pot plant he found dumped on the street and nursed back to health. It was like my buddy, man. As long as you live, there's hope. When he discovered the fire was arson, Silly felt angry and tired. Because I lost everything, 
All my life I've been struggling, and then that happens. It was completely hopeless at that point. Beside the clothing list, Celie has sketched a chisel-jawed Superman in ballpoint pen. Among the everything he lost was the laptop he used to draw his comic and manga characters, and his art books dating back to 2009, when he moved to New Zealand from Tokelau for better mental health support. Ever since that tough guy island upbringing, when he hid to avoid being picked on, drawing has been his refuge. Not long before the loafers' fire, Celie got a commission. It was from the Seaview Volunteer Fire Brigade for their Sky Tower Firefighter Challenge. He drew a firefighter climbing stairs into a blaze, with a phoenix rising out of it. From the ashes of the loafers' fire, Celie has salvaged hope. He wants to do an art course and get a job where he can draw all day. But he hopes that's not the only good that comes from the tragedy. I would like just much more care taken of the kind of people put inside these places. It was only when the fire started that suddenly everyone was like, oh, we care. We care about you. He says, I hope no one has to go through something like this ever again. That was Hope and the Loafers Lodge Fire on the long read from Stuff, written and read by Nikki McDonald. The audio for this episode was edited by John Ropiha. If you listen via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please do give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening. Ka kite anō. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.